All right, we got a lot to cover today. Um, uh, and uh, uh, before I start on the new outline, a couple of comments relative to the, uh, the other outline that I still haven't finished. Uh, and one of those comments is that once you agree to follow Jesus, your destination in heaven is assured. Um, and if you turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it says as follows, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And there it is. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Not only will God bless your labor here in this world, but as I said last week, when you labor for God, you're sending it ahead. Uh, and there will be a time when God will review what you did for the kingdom of God. Um, and um, even Jesus spoke about this aspect uh, of the theology, uh, the fact that, that God will reward the work that we do for the kingdom. Turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And if anyone, actually we'll start with verse 40. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. So you can't get a better source than this. Jesus articulating the issue of rewards. When you act out in the kingdom of God and you help someone who is in the kingdom of God, someone who may be a prophet or uh, a worker of God, a, a missionary, uh, or just a person who, who is, is in the kingdom and needs help, every act that you do uh, is accounted for by God. Uh, and so this is an incredible promise as we understand this. Um, and so it's important for us to know that. Um, and I won't ask you to read it, but in, in Matthew 25, verses 31 to 45, uh, we see the parable there of the sheep and the goats. Um, and I find this so interesting uh, because you see that, that Jesus speaks about uh, how the sheep will be brought into the kingdom of God. Um, and, and he speaks there about how the sheep, uh, how the sheep act those who are with him. Um, and he says in verse 34, that's Matthew 25, verse 34, then the king will say to those on the right, and those are the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Do you see how God looks to see that we are the hands and feet of the Lord? These are the people that need help. Uh, and when you reach out to those people who are in help, you are effectively reaching out to Jesus. You are working for Jesus. You are acting on behalf of Jesus. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, and this is really how God will uh, look to our attitude. You don't see pride and hubris. Uh, and so the sheep then will answer him. The righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? Do you see how the righteous people are? 
They don't even think of the things that they've done to advance the kingdom of God. They're bowing in submission to the throne. They're acting on behalf of Jesus. They're not sitting there uh, padding their resume, all right? They're not building themselves up. Uh, and this, this becomes an ongoing issue. You want to see people who are sold out to Christ, you see humble, submissive people. You don't see proud people. You don't see arrogant people. The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Uh, and what a powerful uh, note that is. You did it for me. And so we have to remember this. And so uh, we studied last week that everything that we do uh, on behalf of the kingdom of God uh, will, will go on uh, to advance the kingdom and will be used by God to help judge us and our works. But whatever you do that does not advance the kingdom of God, and you know we read that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where uh, God delineated the difference between gold and silver and wood and hay. And the wood and hay is what we do, our stuff, stuff to advance our cause. Well, here's the thing. At the end of the day, all the wood and hay in your life is going to be burned up. It's of no account. God isn't interested in it. But the gold and silver, which has been done to advance the kingdom of God, uh, will last forever. Um, and so it's important for you to understand this. Now, going back to some of the concepts that I talked about before, and I want to again reiterate them, we know that the present heaven is an interim place. All right? It is a created place. It was not there in the beginning. God created it, just like he created the Garden of Eden. God created the universe and the stars. So the current heaven is a created place. And at some point in time, God is going to bring the new Jerusalem down from heaven to this earth. And so this earth will be the final place where we will be together with God. Jesus will rule here on this world, but it will be a new world. It will be called New Jerusalem. And effectively, the city of God will come from heaven and come effectively in one piece down to this world. That's what the scripture tells us. And that means that the entire city of people uh, and streets and structures and walls will all come down from the present heaven to this heaven, uh, which will be the final heaven, uh, the new earth. Um, and so we have been created to worship God. And so when we get together in heaven, we will be worshiping God on a regular basis. That's the nature of our, of our creation. And one of the things that God has promised us is that we will rule with Christ in heaven. That means in the interim heaven and in the new Jerusalem, ruling with Christ. Well, do I have a support for that? Yes, I do. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Actually, we'll start with verse 1. Could you please turn off your cell phones? Thank you. And we want to welcome our internet audience as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? However it is. You are a saint in the eyes of God. You will judge the world. And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? You ever thought about that? When we get to the other side, depending on, on the works that God has seen in our life uh, and, and uh, 
our reputation as to how we've advanced the kingdom of God, he's going to give us authority and responsibility. And part of that apparently is even going to judging angels. I mean, it's an incredible thought that God is putting us uh, in this position. Turn off also to Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. What does it mean, reigning? It means to be in a position of responsibility. You are reigning as if you are a king, because God is giving, going to give you responsibility. Um, and so, look, the, the, the authority for that also is, is when you go back and look in Genesis and you see Adam and Eve were effectively uh, denominated as the king and queen of the earth. God had given them responsibility over the entire earth, and they abdicated that responsibility. Um, and so, also, when we, when we study scripture, you're going to see the terminology of crowns, crowns. And that is a primary symbol of ruling. Turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Now, there it is. God has designated you a responsibility. He's given you a crown. A crown effectively is uh, a, a manifestation of the fact that you will be ruling in some capacity. And there are other, other verses that support this. And so God is grooming us for leadership in heaven. He is watching to see our faithfulness. That's part of what goes on in this world. So as God gives us gifts and talents, he looks to see how we use them. He looks to see how we advance the kingdom of God. And all that will later come back when God decides to give you the position of authority and responsibility uh, that he has for us. And so it's an incredible, incredible uh, aspect of understanding this. Um, somebody said to me, one of the questions that I got is, what age will you be when you get to heaven? Okay? I don't have an answer for you. Okay? I don't know what age you'll be, but I do know that when you get to heaven, you will recognize, you will recognize uh, your friends and family that are there. You will have recognition. That's very clear from seeing this. But one verse, uh, it's clear that speaks about that is in Isaiah uh, chapter 65, verse 17, when it says, I will create new heavens and a new earth. I will create new heavens and a new earth. So if he's creating new heavens and a new earth, you can rest assured that your body will be new as well. Okay? He's going to give you a new body, um, and, and it will be a mighty body. Uh, and effectively, at some point, that body will be joined to your physical body in this world, and it will be transformed. Now, let me talk about angels, uh, because uh, a big part of understanding heaven is understanding angels. Uh, angels are separate from humanity. Angels are created beings. Created beings. Um, and they have their own history and their own memories with distinct identities. We know in the Bible, uh, we see two angels mentioned primarily. We see Gabriel, who is the angel of, of annunciation, the, the angel of, of announcing, the angel who spent time with Daniel and giving him the visions. And then we have the archangel, Michael, who apparently is the enforcer. All right? Uh, and we know that from reading this, that uh, Michael 
even battled uh, one of the demons uh, that were in the world that were keeping uh, the angel Gabriel from giving his message to Daniel. Uh, and that uh, Michael effectively, effectively battled that angel so that that demon so that the other angel could get to see Daniel. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There it is. That's the role of the angels. The angels are meant to be ministering servants on behalf of God for you. So, so that when you ask God to intervene in your life, Typically, God will send an angel to do this. Uh, he could do that, or he could just intervene himself. But we know that we have angels. And one of the things that I've recognized in my life is that we have no idea how much God has protected you. All right? And, and the other thing that I say is that we pray for healing, uh, and sometimes we think we haven't been healed in the way that we've prayed for, yet I want to assure you that God may have healed you hundreds of times that you don't even know that you've been healed. So many diseases and illnesses and issues in your life. God has addressed, all right? And we don't acknowledge it. We don't understand it, but it's the truth. Uh, it certainly is true. Look also at Daniel chapter 10. And again, you're going to see an angel. Uh, uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. And this is the angel Gabriel. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were, were heard, and I have come in response to them. Meaning, when you prayed, God answered you immediately. Now, you didn't know that he answered you immediately because he sent an angel to deliver the message. And look what he says here um, in verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. All right? That, now, that's a reference not to a physical prince, but to a demon. All right? And so this demon in Persia uh, effectively uh, obstructed Gabriel from coming to give Daniel the message and did it for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Isn't it amazing what's going on that we don't have any idea? I mean, do you sit here and go, wow, Lord, I'm, I'm, my mind is just blown away when I realize all the things that are taking place in the atmosphere that we're oblivious to, all right? The principalities, the evil, uh, and yet even the angelic uh, presences. So you see this, um, and you come away with, you know, just a, an incredible, awesome uh, respect for God uh, as, as we understand what's going on. So here's the deal. You will be reunited with infants who have died. Let me repeat that. You will be reunited with infants who have died. Now, I understand there's a theology out there that says if an infant dies without being baptized, he's, I don't know, what is it now? Is he in limbo? I don't know where he is, in some netherland, but he's not going to go. Do you think God would do that? Seriously, do you think God is going to determine the locus of an infant because you did or did not baptize them? Honestly. And I knew a good woman who was a nurse, and she was a dear friend of ours who was in another denomination. She would secretly go into the hospital rooms where the babies were out there, and she would secretly baptize them. <laughs> I was her faith. I respected that. 
you know, I, I respect that. But I want to assure you, if they pass, they're going to God. Now, how do I know this? Well, because very clearly God has a special love for children. Uh, and they have their own guardian angels. Really? How can you say that, John? Turn to Matthew chapter 18. And I want to give you enough so that when you bring in these discussions, you can refer to Scripture. Because my opinion is worthless unless I give you Scripture. Matthew 18 uh, and verse 10. This is Jesus now speaking about the little children. See that you do not, not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. How about that? Those little infants always seeing the face of God, even before there's a time of what we'll call acknowledgement of understanding of who Jesus was, even before. So there you see the special treatment for children. Um, God covers children with his mercy. Um, and and uh, through Jesus Christ, and Jesus referring here, to the guardians, guardian angels of the children. Turn to Psalm 8. There's a lot to cover. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. How about that? He has ordained praise from the lips of infants. And you think that God is not going to take an infant into heaven? Come on. How great is our God? Listen, when I teach this, I hope that you approach this with logic also. It's not merely the words, but as we read the words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how great is our God? Do you honestly think a God that bankrupted heaven and sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you would, would in fact not treat children and infants in some special way who didn't have a chance to really understand the theology before they, they passed? Come on. That's not my God. That's not my God. And I'm going to get into that a little later when I talk about pets. Because what kind of God would it be who gave you? And I know, I know that some of you listen to some of these uh, well-known preachers uh, who will dispute with me, but you know what? If they were here, I'd debate them word for word because I know I'm right on this. What kind of God would it be who gave you that pet and blessed you with that pet and gave you the memories of that pet so that when you got to heaven, it's gone. That's your God? That's not my God. That's not my God. And I'll prove it to you when I get to that section of, the, of understanding this. But right now, we're talking about infants. All right? You're going to see them in heaven. All right? You're going to see them. They're going to be there. Look, how else do I know this? Turn to Luke chapter 1. I feel like I'm in court. I hope, I hope this is a favorable jury. I hope it's a favorable jury. But I know God is listening, and that's the one that counts. Luke 1, verse 15. Verse 14. This is now the father of John the Baptist being told uh, that, that his wife is going to have a baby. And now the angel is talking to him. Uh, and he says in verse 14, He will be a joy and delight to you, 
and many will rejoice because of his birth. Now, these are old people having his baby. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. What? What? He didn't, he didn't come to salvation, and yet he's being filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And so I would say to you that if God would do that with John the Baptist, could he not do that with every other infant? knowing that they would not reach maturity or have a chance to understand the theology of God. God loves the babies and the infants. He loves them. Do you think God is going to do something that's going to keep them from being in the kingdom of God? It's impossible. It will not happen. Turn also to Jeremiah chapter 1. I wish everybody could hear this. There's so many people that are just down in the dumps, walking around with bad theology, bad theology, all right? Bad theology, uh, and, and we need to correct it. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Here's your God. Before you were born, while you're in your mother's womb, he set you apart. He knew who you were. Look, God takes care of the infants. No infant is going to pass on uh, and, and not go to heaven because God is going to touch them uh, and be with them. And then another verse that really resonates with me is 2 Samuel chapter 12. And you know the story. This is the baby of the, of the union between David and Bathsheba. Okay? A horrible story. Um, and so now God has pronounced judgment on David that the baby of that union will perish, okay? Now, the question that that baby will not survive in this world, then the question is, well, will that baby get to be in heaven? How does God treat that? Well, take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse uh, 21. We'll talk about this because David is begging God, begging God, Lord, heal him, heal the infant. Don't let him die. Don't hold this against him. And he's, and he's wailing, all right? And ver verse 21 uh, uh, actually, we'll start with 20. Uh, and David is told that the child has died. Verse 20. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went down to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His servants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. They wanted to see it. You were wailing. You were crying. You wouldn't eat. You were fasting. You were praying God to heal him. And now that the child is dead, you seem like you've moved on in your life. And look what he says in verse 22. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him but he will not return to me. Can I get an amen? I will go to him. Meaning the day will come when I pass from this world to the next, and I will go to him. And by the way, uh, someone mentioned to me last week, the, the, again, bad theology. A person said to me, well, you, you misspoke. It was, a, it was a guest in the class, not one of our regulars. You misspoke when you said that God doesn't heal everybody. Are you reading the same words I'm reading? Seriously. 
Of course God doesn't heal everybody because it is within the perfect will of God, which is why when we pray and ask for healing, what do we say? In your will. Because we recognize that it may not be within the perfect will of God to to have physical healing. Yes, he's going to heal your spirit. He's going to touch your spirit. Yes, he's going to forgive your sins. All that is part of healing. But sometimes within the perfect will of God, healing is not there. And here you see it in this instance. So uh, uh, incredible as we really get a sense of what's going on in heaven. Look, God does not tell us everything. He doesn't tell us chapter and verse, but he gives hints. He gives hints. And when we, we bow in submission to him and ask for the Holy Spirit to inspire us, you see this. And so let's start the new outline, all right? And so uh, we're going to study uh, three important verses. I told you I'd get to it, you know. <laughs> I don't want you to think I, I forgot about it. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 6. Is your head exploding yet? I'm trying to make up for, you, for forcing you to study about the Antichrist. So now I want to give you, I want to give you heaven so you know how great it's going to be. Uh, and we're going to look here at, at uh, Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to focus on a couple of very important verses. Uh, we'll read them. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Now, there's a lot for us to glean about the operation of heaven uh, from this verse. And so I want you to understand what you're seeing here. These are people that would be killed uh, during the tribulation period for the testimony of Jesus Christ. They're martyred because they stood up for Christ. And there they are in heaven under the altar of God. And they're crying out for justice, not to avenge their bodies, not to avenge their deaths, but justice in this earth, because they're heartbroken that this earth is under the pale of evil. Uh, And so as they cry out to God and ask him for intervention, how much longer, God, how much longer is this going to be? God says to them, not yet, more have to die, not yet, but it will be completed. Uh, and so you see this, uh, and so there's, there's a number of things that, that this tells me. First of all, it tells me that, uh, there, that we will have audible voices in heaven, all right? Because these saints are in heaven, and they are speaking out to God. So it's not that it's telepathic, it's an audible voice. Um, and, and they have a memory of what took place on earth. So your memory isn't erased. You see that here, that the memory still remains in heaven. Um, And so they're speaking on behalf of God. They are rational. They are rational. And yet, yes, they're still emotional. So we have our emotions yet in heaven. That hasn't been taken away from us. We have a rational basis of thinking and speaking. Uh, And so just like when you are on earth, you have those qualities still in heaven. This passage also suggests that they speak with one voice, 
Meaning what? That there's a unity in heaven, that when we get to heaven, we are unified through the Spirit of God in the way that we think. Conscious, rational, aware, unified, and free to ask questions. How do you like that? So you get to heaven, you're not, you don't have to shut up because you may have a lot of questions. I laugh when people say to me, oh, when I get to heaven, I got a lot of questions for Jesus. You got a lot of questions for Jesus? Let me give you one important piece of advice. You get to heaven, put your face in the dust. You got it? Don't ask any questions. Just be grateful that you've been saved and you're there. But I want you to know, if you're dumb enough to have some questions, I did my best here. I did my best here. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get answers. Jesus is going to answer it. Uh, and, and it also means that people will have a desire for understanding and, and will pursue it, and God will, will avail them of that. Uh, and so the martyrs know enough here that they, that, they have not, that they have not received justice, that the evil still goes on. So there's a memory. There's a memory of what goes on, and, and apparently a recognition still of what's going on in heaven. Also, what does it mean? It means that they have individual distinctive uh, personalities. Each of them was given a white robe, white robes for each one of them. Uh, so there's no merged uh, personality. There's no merged uniqueness. Each had a separate uh, uh, uniqueness. Uh, and here's the other thing. These are not disembodied spirits. So you get to heaven, there is going to be some type of physical body. I can't tell you exactly how it will be but some type of physical body, because why else would they get a robe? You're going to give a robe to a disembodied spirit? Come on, that makes no sense, all right? Disembodied spirits don't need robes, all right? And so there's going to be a physical form of some type. Um, and and uh, the apostle John who witnessed this was able to identify all this. Um, and it also demonstrates that when we get to heaven, we won't know everything, uh, because if we knew everything, there would be no need to ask questions. And so here God promises to fulfill the requests of the martyrs, but indicates that they will have to wait a little longer. Uh, and so heaven is in line with the anticipation of future events as well. Uh, and so uh, you see here an understanding of time. There will be an element of time in heaven. Why? Because here, God says, you have to wait a little longer. So if you're waiting a little longer, it presumes that there is some calculation of time. We don't really know how that's calculated, but some type of calculation there. And so we also see here that God knows every single last detail of everything happening in the earth, including every single drop of bloodshed and every bit of suffering experienced by his children. He knows exactly how many martyrs will die. And by the way, this is another example of what I mean about as we pray for healing. Look, uh, here, here you see God saying that the number of martyrs is not yet fulfilled. Well, well, couldn't God have shut it down? If it were within his will, would he have to have others still to die? But within the perfect will of God, I don't know why, and I'm not going to uh, uh, hazard a guess because that's all it would be, but we see here that within the perfect will of God, he understood and decreed that there would still be others to die. 
Within your perfect will, Lord, we pray for healing. Don't let this happen, but within your perfect will. Do you understand? Understanding the perfect will of God. So as I bring this to an end, I want to make sure you understand why we're praying to God, why we pray for healing, because when we pray for healing, he heals every single person spiritually. As we do that, he touches their spirit and many of the people he heals them of their physical ailments. Many don't even know that they've been healed, but we bow to the sovereign will of God. You understand? The sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God. And now you'll have to wait till next week to hear about your pets. (laughs) What a good reason to come back. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the words that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for... For this message, Lord, it resonates in our heart. Be with our people. Let this message grow this week in their hearts, Lord. Continue to protect them and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.